Good morning. My name is Kevin Newsom. I am the Associate Pastor of Worship and Discipleship. Thank you so much for being here. Normally, I'd be the one uh, in the middle here with my guitar leading worship. Thank you, Michael and the praise team for stepping up. We have enough talented musicians for, you know, whenever I, I get the opportunity to preach or I'm not here, that they can just carry on without me. But through a strange set of circumstances with uh, my youngest being one of the sickest, she's uh, one of the ones that uh, is up here that drums a lot and, and on call uh, for one of our other drummers and other percussionists who are all out. I found myself in the strange position of sitting behind the drums this morning. At least I didn't have to sing, so that's the biggest thing is I don't want to wear my voice out before I preach. Thank you so much for being here. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2. That's where we're going to be. Now, because my youngest, my household is one of the ones that, uh, one of the students that has some of the sickness that come back from camp, I am not going to be the one interacting with you as much as possible. I'm going to try to avoid you. That's nothing personal. I just don't want to accidentally give you anything. Pastor Buster is going to uh, receive at the invitation, and he and our chairman of the deacons, Tom Austin, will uh, meet you at the door after the service. I'm just going to disappear and go back to my office until it's all clear. All right? However, I know there are some of you that really, really, really like to tell, tell the preacher, the pastor, whoever's preached, just how much you enjoyed the sermon. So I <laughs> want you to know that I accept cheesecake and pecan pie, and, uh, and you can just give me a bag of peanut butter and M&Ms. I'll be good. By now, you should be at 1 John chapter 2. You know, when learning a musical instrument, um, as some of you know, I play several uh, musical instruments. When learning musical instruments, there are three stages. There's a beginner stage uh, where you're just learning the basics, and it's very, uh, it's very difficult and often discouraging, and you have to slog through a lot of hard things, and a good teacher can make or break you, and if you give up during this stage, chances are that you're going to forget 100% of everything you learned. There is the intermediate stage where you know the basics. You're beginning to learn how to teach yourself. You're working hard to master uh, some of the skills uh, and move on into the advanced stuff. And your teacher continues to push you to be better and better and to not give up, but also challenges you in ways that can be sometimes painful, but also beneficial. And there's a wall here. Musicians know what I'm talking about. There's a wall, right? You reach a certain point in your advancement, you hit a wall, okay? And it takes a lot of work to bust through that wall. And in this intermediate stage, you'll hit that wall and you'll have to persevere if you want to make it to that last stage. Um, you know, I'm probably in that intermediate stage when it comes to drums. I've hit my wall and have no desire to bust through that wall, I'm telling you. The last stage is the advanced stage where you master the techniques, you still need practice, there's still things for you to learn, but you know how to learn it. You know how to teach yourself. You know what it takes to get from point A to point B. Teachers become mentors. You become a teacher yourself, eventually becoming a mentor to other teachers. And there's a professional camaraderie here because everyone is sort of at the same stage. There might be different skill levels and different skill sets, 
but everybody's in the same stage. It's one of the things I really appreciate about our other two guitar players up here is that, uh, it, that we're, we're all in a stage where we really don't care whether or not one or the other is better. It's not a big deal. Look, young musicians, young guitar players are really bad about this. When you're learning, you, you want to flex your muscles. You want to prove yourself. You want to learn those, those, those heavy metal, ACDC, Metallica, shredding guitar solos so that you can get up there and you can prove yourself to the veterans that are on stage. We don't care. <laughs> We're at a stage of life where we don't care. And, and I appreciate that because we all have different skill sets. We're all really good at some things. And we're all really bad at some things. And we're all okay with that. It's the same way with Christians in the church. There are levels. There are beginners. There are intermediates. There are advanced students of the Word. And in this passage, which I should have turned to myself, in this pas passage, Paul, well, no, I'm sorry, John is addressing all three. And he's challenging and encouraging them to become better Christians. So we're going to pick up with verse 12 of chapter 2. So if you will... And you are able, would you stand for the reading of God's word? <clears throat> chapter, verse, 1 John chapter 2, beginning with verse 12. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for uh, mentors and teachers that guide us as we grow in faith, God. And I pray that you uh, give us all a clear vision of what it means to move forward and to take steps forward and to grow a little closer and a little more mature in our faith. In my prayer, amen. Maybe seated. First one I'm going to talk about today is to the spiritual children. So we see this in uh, verse 12, and we see it again in verse 13. And I'm going to break these up by, by the categories as we go through this passage. So when John speaks of the children in this passage, he's actually using two different words. The first word he uses in verse 12 in uh, the Greek is the word technia, which describes maturity level and is not necessarily tied to age. These are those Christians who have never bothered to get to know their Savior on a personal level. They've never, they, they only know the surface level information, perhaps uh, only committed to the Lord for fire insurance or because it was expected of them. Maybe it was an heirloom type of faith through their family. Uh, they haven't made Christianity, following Jesus, their lifestyle. And so they tried to live just enough in a Christian manner to be called and to have the label of Christian. They don't study. They only pray when they are in trouble. And the most religious you'll ever see them is when they show up once a week or on special occasions. When it comes to spiritual health, it doesn't matter how long they claim to have been a Christian, they are the spiritually immature children that John is speaking of here. Uh, and uh, even if they've been saved for 20 years, he still calls them a child. 
I remember my 10-year high school reunion. It's, it's, been, it's been a minute since then, but my 10-year high school reunion, there were a lot in my class. And reunion, there was probably only 30 or 40 people. We graduated nearly 100 people in my class. A lot of them wouldn't come, refused to come, because they insisted that we pack coolers full of beer and go out to the park and just have a party. That's how they wanted to have their reunion. Well, there were a lot of us, the ones who were in charge of most of the planning, who wanted to have a, a more formal sit-down kind of meal at a nice restaurant, which is what we wound up doing. And so there, was, there wasn't a whole lot that actually showed up for that. And even the ones that did show up for that, there was a def- definite difference. There was two different groups. And you could tell a difference in the maturity level. There were those who, uh, who became adults. They had become adult, adults. They had moved on. They had built lives. They accepted the reality that life includes growth. And then there were th- those that still acted like they were in high school. They got their diploma, but they never grew beyond that point. Churches are full of people who received the diploma of salvation, but have never tried to grow up. The second word John uses for children, and you find this one in verse 13, is the Greek word paedia, and specifically describes age. There's a difference. This is a spiritually young person. And unlike the immature Christian, these children are the new Christians, the ones that are expected to be immature because they haven't known Christ for very long. One is immature by choice and not limited to the length of time they've been saved. The other is only immature simply because they haven't been saved for very long. They are newly born. And so John is saying to the children, who are refusing to mature. He says in verse 12 that he is writing this book because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. He wants them to remember that Jesus died to pay the penalty, suffered a fate worse than death so they wouldn't have to, took on the weight of the world so that all who call upon him who, uh, could be saved and rose from the dead so they could have hope in an eternal life. He's reminding them who Jesus is and what Jesus did. And it wasn't for their pride. It wasn't for their sake. It was for Jesus' sake that he did it. So there's an implication of the need for humility in this group. Then in verse 13, to the newly born children of God, John says this. He writes, because you know the Father. Get that. You know the Father. I'm writing to you, new Christians. Reminding you, you know the Father. What a privilege it is to say that you are a child of the living God, the creator of the universe, the one who tells the seas this far and no further, the one who can name each and every star, this same God who gave life to the oceans, wings to the birds, breath to mankind is the one you can call Father. You know him. He draws you into his, living, his loving arms and gives you rest. And John is telling them to rejoice. They know him. I can't, I can't, I can't help. But think of Buddy the Elf. 
when he finds out that Santa's coming, he gets all excited. I know him! John is saying, you know him. Get excited about that. All must grow, but not all will, re- will mature. And so it is with Christians who will age in their salvation, but many of those who age in their salvation will not mature. It's a choice. And if you find yourself in either of these categories, whether you're the, the older Christian who never matured or the newly born Christian who hasn't had an opportunity to mature yet, if you find yourself in either, or the, either of these categories as a spiritual child, it's time to level up. It's time to move up in your maturity level. Don't be satisfied with an acquaintance relationship with God. Let him be your friend. The shoulder you cry on, the hand you hold, and the footsteps you walk in. It's time to seek God to make that next step and to stop crying out for spiritual milk. You have been forgiven and you know him. That's an exciting thing to be forgiven and to know the living God. 1 Corinthians 3, 2 says this, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able. It's time to get off the milk and to grow into some solid food. It's time to stop being the child, the spiritual child in the church, and to start growing up. If you claim, if what you claim to believe really means something to you, then you should want this. You should want some maturity. You should want to grow up. You should not want me up here behind this pulpit to call you a child. Your heart's desire should be to grow closer to God a little more each and every day. So what are you waiting for? Second thing this morning, to the spiritual young adults. We find this in 13, and then again in 14. So when John speaks of the young men, he is talking about the spiritually young men and women, these spiritual young adults who are knowledgeable but may not yet feel adequate enough or ready to teach others about Jesus and others about their faith. They know their Bible, they know the answers, but they are insecure in their witness. They love God, uh, and and they, they want to do right, and they do do right, but they also love life, and they're not sure how the two mix. They resist the devil, but they lack a spiritual maturity that comes from walking side by side with Jesus every moment of every day. They crave a deeper relationship with God, but they're not quite brave or confident enough to make that kind of deeper commitment. There's something holding them back. They haven't quite figured out life yet. They don't feel qualified to mentor others. My wife and I were in this position for a long time, craving to be closer to God, but lacking the confidence to step out on faith. And let him take over. And we thought we needed greater, great jobs, a nice house, new cars, all this stuff that life has to offer. We thought this was what you're supposed to do. But it never quite seemed to satisfy. 
it never quite took us into a deeper relationship with God. We never were truly happy with that. And so we decided to do something absolutely radical. And it, it was difficult. But it took it. It took this to get us where we are today. We let all of our stuff go. We stopped our teaching careers. We were both, were both former teachers. We left the education field. We sold our house. We bought a secondhand trailer. We learned how to live off, live off of nothing. And it was all in preparation for God to take us to New Orleans where I got a seminary degree, which eventually led me into ministry, which led me to South Carolina, which led me here. Led us here. And it took, it took a painful moment of letting stuff go for us to get out of that rut and to level up. So what's the next step in your journey? What does God want you to let go of so that you can move forward? I'm telling you, it might be painful. It probably will be painful. I'm almost certain of it. There's a reason Jesus says, take up your cross in order to follow him. Because following him is a burden. What will it take for you to take that step? To the spiritually young men and women, John says in verse 13 that he's writing this book to you because you have overcome the evil one. Never forget that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The world is not your home, but you are storing for yourself treasures in heaven that moth and rust can't destroy. You have overcome the enemy, and it's time you claim the victory. It's time you focused on the cross of Christ and time you started living with a view toward eternity. Instead of allowing the world to distract you from what you know you should be doing, it's easy to look away at the things that are fun. It's difficult to focus on, on, on the cross and on Jesus when he's asking you to give things up that give you comfort. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You are not controlled by the world. The world will not bring you happiness because you are an overcomer and only following God, only getting that step closer will bring the happiness that you crave. John further says in verse 14 that he's written to the spiritually young men and women, to the young adults, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you, and he repeats, and, once you remember one more time, you have overcome the evil one. His grace is sufficient. His word is sufficient. The cross of Christ is sufficient. The word of God abides in you. And you are strong because of that. God's strength is your strength. Whatever it is that he wants you to do and you don't feel strong enough to do, that's not what the word says. John is saying you are strong enough. The word abides in you. You have overcome. That strength is within you. 
The word cannot be resisted. The power of God cannot be overcome. The spirit of God cannot be defeated. And all of this lives within you. And you know it does. It grows within you even now. Maybe if you're, if you're teetering whether or not to take that next step in obedience, to take that next step in maturity, what I'm saying should be igniting something within you to do that. You know you've been, you're an overcomer. You know the power of God lives within you. You just have to accept it and make the step. The only thing holding you back is your own fear. Fear that is not of God but of Satan because Satan doesn't want you to become a mature, a mature Christian. He doesn't want you to level up. He wants to keep you right where you are, comfortable under his thumb, not doing the work that he's called you to do. But through the resurrection of Christ, get this, you already have the victory and the power and the confidence you need because it all comes from God. If you will just let him take you across that threshold. Hebrews 5.12 says this, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk again and not solid food. Don't go backwards. Don't go backwards. Whatever that next step is, take it. The greatest threat to Satan's agenda is an army of mature and confident Christians. And so long as he can suppress the spiritually young, then he has won. But Satan is already defeated. The victory has already been won, and you are free. It's time to act like it. Time to stop straddling the fence. Time to stop fighting the truth that you know in the Word of God that you've learned. You know that this life is a vapor and that if you're not living for eternity, you're wasting your time. You know that answer, but you're not living it. You know who Jesus is and what he did for you and what he means to your life. It's time to fully and finally make that next commitment to become the Christian that God wants you to be, the Christian he designed you to be, to do the task that you are uniquely qualified to accomplish because if you don't do that task, nobody else will. That task is for you. Time to stop being young men and young women. Spiritually young men and young women. This isn't limited to age. Limited to age. This is categorically. If you are a young man or a young woman, it's time to level up in your faith. And time to put Satan in his place and to say, no more. And to live for God for eternity and for the cross. Third category that John talks to. is To the spiritual parents. My grandfather really blessed Deanna and I when we first got married. He lived alone. He was, at the time, I think, 89, 90 years old. Uh, and he only lived in about one-third of his house, and the back two-thirds of his house just sat unused, collecting dust. And he really blessed us because he let us have that two-thirds of his house that he didn't use, and that's where we lived for two years when we first got married. Um, and I wouldn't trade those two years for anything to, to 
be with my grandfather for those two years. He really, really blessed us. And even in his old age, as he was growing older, he never, he never gave up some of his childish antics. Don't, don't ever give up your childish antics. If you're one of those that have childish antics, don't give them up. Buster, he reminded me a little bit of you. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. I came home from school, from college one day, and I walked into the door uh, where, where his kitchen and I and I caught him at his kitchen window, sitting on a stool, and he had a gun in his hand. And he looked at me, and he went, and put that gun down and pretended like he didn't see me. So I pretended like I didn't see him, and I just went on, went to the back part of the house. A few minutes later, I went back in there, and he was in his, he's, he's in his recliner, and he's got that grin on his face, that mischievous, childlike grin on his face. And he proceeded to explain to me, because he knew he'd been caught. He needed an explanation. Uh, he proceeded to explain to me, he said, the blackbirds are, are getting into my bird feeder and chasing all my birds away. And so he was sniping them from the kitchen window <laughs> with his BB gun. <laughs> but you know, I also envied my grandfather's spiritual maturity. Even in his last years, homebound, he used what little vision he had to continue daily studying the Word of God. And I walked into, and he was in his recliner. He was so, so often in his recliner. And he's reading his Bible. And he looks up at me, and there's no, no childish grin on his face this time. He looks up, and he, sets, he lowers his Bible down to his lap, and he says this, I think I finally understand why the Methodists believe the way they do. After all these years, he finally understood. He never stopped learning. He never stopped studying the Word of God. There was always more to learn, more to understand. When John speaks to the fathers in the church, he is speaking of the spiritually mature, the spiritual adults, those who were once children and they got rid of the milk. They were once young men and women and they claimed the victory, and they moved forward, and they took that step that, that uh, Satan didn't want to take. And these people are the spiritual parents and the spiritual legacy of the church. And they must disciple the upcoming leaders and mentor the spiritually less mature and to help encourage the spiritual young adults to make deeper commitments and to train the spiritual children how to live for Christ. These are the people who have a deep understanding of Scripture and a desperate desire to gain more. They ache to serve the Lord. They've recognized a calling on their lives and, and live daily to fulfill it. But most importantly, these are the ones who are not afraid to tell people about their faith, to tell people what they believe, to tell people about Jesus through their spiritual gifts, and they're not afraid to lead someone to Christ. They know who they are in Christ. They're not ashamed of it. And so John says to the fathers, 
He says the same thing. He says it twice. He says it in verse 13, and he says it again in verse 14. He says, I'm writing this because you know him who is from the beginning. So right away, there's, there's, a, there's a depth to that statement that you don't find in the other statements, right? You know him who is from the beginning. The reality of the eternality of the Heavenly Father is real to them. It's a deep and personal part of who they are, this eternal aspect of God, knowing that the creator of the universe, the eternal creator of the universe, is someone they talk to daily. You know him who was from the beginning. They know that he is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, They've seen the glory of God, felt his mercy and witnessed his miracles. They've disobeyed and felt his discipline. They've fallen on, his, on their knees in repentance and experienced his forgiveness. They've walked with him daily for he's the breath of life, the bright morning star, and the ever-present help in times of need. They've been through it all. And they still walk with God, the one who is from the beginning. He sent his only son to die, and this thrills and excites them every time they think about it. But it also breaks their hearts and gives them a sense of urgency to spread the gospel. This life is only a fleeting moment in eternity. Eternity is held in God's hands. You know who is from the beginning. And without the cross, these spiritual parents know there's no hope for the world. And this is how the spiritually mature fathers and mothers live daily. Because to live is Christ and to die is gain. And they know that these are the realities of your heart, the joy of your salvation, the burden of the cross. You, spiritual parents in the room, more than anyone around you, know the weight of sin and the reality of forgiveness and the desperate need that this world has. And the spreading of the gospel is more important than your own fear and comfort because you not only know God, but you know that he is from the beginning. The ultimate authority. The giver of life. And in this, is love and forgiveness. But there is also justice and wrath. And you know this. The church desperately needs more spiritual fathers and mothers, more spiritual parents who understand the greatness of God and feel the urgency of the cross. We need more spiritual parents to walk these halls to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and to be an example to everyone else around them. We need more spiritual parents to pull alongside the spiritually young adult Christians to encourage them to be strong, to be courageous, and to become what God means for them to become. We need more spiritual parents to seek out the spiritual children, the newborns, and challenge them to make their faith their lifestyle to become more than just surface-level believers, but to bear the fruit of genuine salvation as if the cross of Christ means something to them. 
We need more spiritual parents to gather these newly born Christians and to lift them up and to give them strength when Satan comes against them, to pray with them, to encourage them, to teach them to walk in the light, to mentor them and, and the cross. We need more. You are the mature who know who is from the beginning and you walk with him daily. And the church desperately needs you. Where are you in your spiritual maturity? Are you a spiritual parent? A spiritual young adult? Or a spiritual child? Wherever you are, I want to encourage you today to level up. Take a step forward. Take a step forward. Evaluate your relationship with God and determine that, what that next step is, whatever it is. And then take that step. Fix your eyes on the Lord and walk toward Him. Make it a goal to grow a little bit each day little by little, into a deeper relationship with him. Look, this is career co coaching 101, right? You hear this in the secular world all the time. What's your goal? Where are you here? And then work backwards. What's the step just prior? Work out the steps. Work out the steps. Work out the steps. And to accomplish your goal, take the next step. If your goal is to become spiritually mature, what's the next step? And what's keeping you from taking it? Spiritual parents, pray for opportunities to mentor and serve. These others need you. They, don't, they, they feel like they don't have the answers, and you probably have a few that they need. Reach out to them. Spiritual young adults, pray for the strength to overcome Satan and to become the Christian you're supposed to be. Don't be distracted. Focus on the goal. Spiritual children, pray that you may learn to eat the meat of the Word of God and to wean yourself off of the milk. Maybe leveling up for you means taking those first steps to trust Jesus. Maybe... You need to find a relationship with the creator of the universe. Maybe you don't know him and you want to. If you long to have this kind of relationship, something you've never experienced before, know that he's waiting for you. And maybe that's the way you level up. Get in on that ground level, start at the beginning. And start moving forward and claim the promises written in Scripture that Jesus died so that you could have. That longing in your heart is there because something is missing. That something is Jesus. And you'll only be alone, as Adam likes to tell our students all the time, you're only alone if you want to be. So, we all have something to pray about. I doubt there's anybody in the room that has reached the end. Right? 
we all have another step to take. And I want to encourage each and every one of you today, as I close, that you will take that step, whatever it is. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for the wisdom of John, God, and his boldness to speak to people so bluntly on different spiritual maturity levels. And God, I pray for each and every person in here that you would give them the courage, that you give them the clarity to take that next step. Courage if they need courage to do it, to do something that's hard, to take a step out of the comfort zone and to move forward into places they, they, they don't know what's going to happen. It's unknown, God, and it's scary, but if it's where you want them to be, give them the confidence to know that you'll keep them safe there. And God, I pray that you would give them clarity to see what that next step is. God, we're not promised that we'll see the entire path or know the entire journey. God, we know that you'll show us the next step if we ask for it. And I pray that you would show each and every person here what that step is. And then move them forward to make that step. For those who don't know you, God, pray that that emptiness and that void in their heart would be would be so strong right now that would ache so badly in this moment. That longing for something they don't understand, longing for something they can't comprehend, God. That it would move them to their knees. That it would move them to find out more about you and the forgiveness that they can have at the cross. Move us here today, God. In the name I pray, amen. Would you stand with us, please?